Hello, good evening and welcome to episode 29 of Chalk Talk here on Microbrew Radio. We've got a really special guest tonight. I'm your host, Dave Goldsmith, and with me we have SiteRight coach and founder, I believe, Stephen Feeney. Hi. Hi, everybody. How you doing? You OK? Yes. Um, I've been up since about, I don't know, 4 a.m. And uh, over here in Belfast with, with Mark Allen. So um, if I start, if I do fall asleep, just give a nudge. But I yeah. doubt it. Yeah, that's fine. Well, I'll give you, we'll give you a shout. That's, uh, yeah. that's absolutely fine. No, um, it's, it's excellent to have you on the show. I hope you've all had a great week at home. I know the weather's not very good here, but if you are tuned in, unfortunately, we're not live right now. So please don't pop in any questions because they won't be answered. But we'll get started, Stephen, and we'll. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about SiteRight and uh, you know the company and, and what it is and how it started. So if you'd like to give us a little bit of a background on that, please. How it started? This I'll try. I'll try. Oh, we're waiting. I've just got Mark here. So Mark, say hello to Dave. All right. Hi, Mark. <laughs> talk, talk. Okay. He's at, he's at Dave Gilbert's right, club. Oh, happy days. Yeah, yeah. So how doing, um, okay. good stuff. Yeah, all good. All good. All right, I'll leave you to do some work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Thanks. How did it start? That's um I'll try and do it in what we call an elevator speech. Normally an elevator speech would be about 30 seconds, but I think um I once did the Twin Towers and it was a minute and a half to the 95th floor. So let me I uh, I was a, a snooker player myself. I managed to somehow ruin my game with a with a coaching book, and um, that started it all. Barry Pinchers was the fault. He uh, he asked me how did I miss a shot, and I I went to the local bookstore, um, bought a book um, by a, a really um, uh, legendary snooker player, who, whose eye dominance was uh, what we call an inside eye dominance. And I followed this book to the letter, and it didn't help my game at all, unfortunately. I was put back together again a little bit by uh, one of our local referees who referred me to a coach called uh, John Waskett in Chelmsford. He was a good guy um, and he helped me, but I never got uh, the same feeling again. And I knew that I was offline. I knew that things weren't right. So I got to um, I got to see the likes of uh, Frank Callan. Um, and I wanted two two bits of information from who was the guru for me at the time. So I traveled all the way to Preston. I just wanted to know how I saw straight, um, which is the question I ask everybody, um, and whether or not my technique was online. So Frank uh, duly watched me play a few frames, uh, did the sighting alignment test or the sighting test, which is traditionally known as either pointing the finger on on uh, the side rail uh, at the chalk. And, uh, and I did this test and he diagnosed me and... Um, I got 45 miles from home at Kings Lynn and thought, hey, I'm left handed. I did this test right handed. Okay. Will I get a different result if I do this test left handed? So um, I went straight to the Canary Q Club in Norwich, did the test left handed, got a different result. But I couldn't get back in touch with Frank. Um, right. You know, he's passed on now, obviously. But um, yeah, he just didn't return my calls. Um, so. In my search to understand how I saw straight and to understand um, whether or not my technique was aligned, I, I developed SightRight. And my first question and my first player who I, I coached in SightRight methods was Terry Griffiths. And uh, he was 76 this week and he's not too well at the moment, but he became the second person responsible for this. And um, 
I helped Terry Terry require sorry I helped Terry retire at the Crucible in 1997. Um, I'd always been trying to win the Norwich Open. That year I won the Norwich Open um, and I continued on. I patented Sightright um, across golf, snooker and darts. Uh, and there's two elements to it. One is um, the sighting technology, uh, which enables me to learn how a player sees straight. Forget eye dominance, to me it's a misnomer. Um, it's how both eyes work together to see a straight line of aim. And cue sports are accuracy sports. And uh, lines of aim and lines of contact are understood by coaches of old, not uh, too many today, I'm afraid. Um, and to understand the geometry of the game and how important it is to be able to sight through the centre of the cue ball perfectly to enable you to calibrate angles. Lines of aim, lines of contact, left to right, right to left. And then to build your technique behind that. So the methods were the second part of sight right. So the, as I would call them at the moment, 10 steps. It's the way that uh, I build a player's technique and uh, much to, um, to some people who pigeonhole me as just pure sighting alignment, but also uh, stance, technique, biomechanics, and then of course the cue action. We can yeah. all get a gun online, but being able to pull the trigger successfully um, is key. So uh, learning how you see straight, using that information, getting you bang online and then helping you pull the trigger. That's excellent. That's it's so interesting. Um, and obviously, you know, it's been very successful for yourself. So that's great to hear as well. Um, are you able to run through some of, some of them? You've obviously worked with many big names within not just snooker, but with golf and darts as well. Are you, are you able to drop us some of the names that you've worked alongside with? Um, it, it's it's a really sort of fascinating environment because I think I'll I'll sort of put it into a box, a Pandora's box. OK, and we, I opened the box. Imagine, imagine that you're Nick Faldo. Imagine that you're Phil Taylor. Imagine that you're Steve Davis. Um, and imagine you're, you know, legendary in the game. And then someone comes along and shows you that you're offline um, yeah. in, in terms of the way that you aim. Imagine the impact that has on these guys. Um, you know, Nick Faldo at Brockett Hall um, was incredible work with him. And uh, his swing coach wasn't amused. So Nick Faldo asked him to take the same tests and his uh, swing coach failed. Um, I've even had one uh, professional golfer that I work with. They sacked their swing coach afterwards. Um, you know, this is the sort of impact that uh, a paradigm shift and disruptive technology has. Um, Phil Taylor, I met him at the Crucible. It was uh, at the time I was working with uh, Joe Perry. And uh, he just came and sat beside me in the um, players room uh, at the Crucible, which is down where the old cafe is now and uh, at the time. And I'd already met with uh, Unicorn a few weeks back and they hadn't mentioned anything to him. So I, you know, he sat beside me with the only two in the room. And the question was, look, Phil, I met with Eddie Lowry at, um, at Unicorn. Have they spoken to you about me? And uh from there on, he wanted the information. So we went across to the Crown Plaza where I was staying and I tested him and then um, showed him that he was a fraction offline. Who would have believed that? Steve Davis kind of commented the next morning when I saw him. And uh, within a few weeks, we were VIP guests of Barry Hearns and Phil Taylor's at the um, 
at uh, the darts um, and it was at the Wembley Arena and uh, there was a, a power cut so it was deferred until the following week and we went back there and Phil had two, two nine darters and I didn't really hear any more from Phil at the time but uh, Winmore got wind of it and I've been Winmore's specialist dart coach for 12, 13 years. But across, but getting back to golf, so Darren Clark, he hadn't won a tournament for five years. Um, Chubby Chandler had me work with him. Um, Paul McGinley, Stevie Gallagher. Uh, I'm doing more work with Stevie Gallagher at the moment. And um, I helped him retire. Uh, sorry, I helped him uh, gain a place for the Ryder Cup. That was our, our biggest uh, programme, really. And uh, now I'm doing work with Adair Manor, the director of golf there, who hosts the Ryder Cup in 27. Um and uh, hopefully maybe in the, in the future, some at Wentworth too. But a lot of stuff, Colin Montgomery, Paul McGinley, um, you know, golf golf was really good to me. And uh, But in snooker, really, Sightright came to the fore in snooker, the big four. In, in 2005, when Steve got to the final of the UK Championship, he beat um, Stephen Maguire and Stephen Hendry back to back and had to play Ding in the final. But on the way... You know, the press reported his comments. Sightright made me feel like a player again. And, you know, that's that's what it does to people. Um, and then on the back of that, really, probably, I mustn't forget Barry Pinchers. He was falling off tour and I got him to 18 in the world. He was, at the time, probably the hardest technical person to work with by nature of certain things. Um, but we worked well together. And then, in fairness, uh, Bingham probably was... Uh, the biggest person who who brought Sightright to the fore, really to the fore, uh, nine titles in his world championship in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, things move on in this game of ours. And uh, so he moved on. And then Mark Williams, bless him. Mark Williams was prepared to share the information, prepared to shout high. And, you know, the, the his third world title in 2015 was pretty, sorry, 2018 was pretty special. And then, of course, Ronnie was keeping an eye on Mark. Um, when Mark won the German Masters, Ronnie already took notice of that. And uh, and then I got together with him, and it was very much a case of setting a plan together to win three world championships in five years, and he's already done two. So, you know, bless him. It's such a great relationship when when you can work with these guys and 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 enjoy every part of what you do. And uh, and his thanks in his book was was pretty good. But uh, I guess the best day, the best day really was working with Stephen Hendry in the morning and then a session with Ronnie in the afternoon. And I kind of pinched myself because, you know, I was just a, a snooker player who loved snooker, who wanted to be a pro, who wanted to be Norwich champion, who learned to play the game at St. Philip's uh, Social Club in Norwich. And uh, all those years later, I kind of felt, on that morning, on that day, yeah, that that was good. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I mean, can you describe that feeling? Obviously, two massive legends of the game, both in one day. As you say, you pinched yourself. What what was the feeling like? Maybe like at the end of the day, when you finally had a chance to sit down and reflect. I think. Um, look, I remember being with Steve Davis, and when I showed him sight right and tested him, because he made significant changes. I think many people forget how great this man was. Um, you know, six times world champion, and he described it at the time as genius. So I expected certain things to happen early in terms of 
the way the sport would see uh, sight right. Um, and, you know, it's taken a long time. It really has taken a long time. So to have two seven times world champions on the same day and to be working with them both um, was humbling in in one way, but also very fulfilling in the sense that, yeah, I could have packed things away and just said, I've, I'm happy with what I've achieved, but that's not me. You know, we want more world titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, you mentioned wanting to be Norwich champion. Um, you've obviously played some Q sports yourself. How did you originally get into playing like ball and snooker? My best friend, who sadly passed away a couple of years back, he introduced me to um, an, a snooker table, an old snooker table at um, the railway station in Norwich. It was the railway club and they had the old balls and my goodness. But I learned to screw back shots on the old balls. And then we just progressed really as 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 kids, you know, as teenagers playing in the local league, supporting the local league, playing all the events. I was the runner up for the junior, the mass, you know, the big junior title in Nor- in Norwich. But we won everything from the leagues, the, the, the handicap leagues to the open leagues to county stuff. But all I wanted to be was Norwich champion at certain stages. And, um, uh, you know, it kind of just kept passing by. And um, and that was a big trophy for me. Um, My my father had passed on and he didn't really sort of see me ever play snooker. Um, So when I won it, that was in the year that I helped Terry retire at the Crucible. And then I won the Norwich championship um, in the May, just after the the crucible and that was the first time i sat in the crucible as as terry's guest it was it was a very very special moment i can still remember where i sat the gulp in my mouth when he walked out you know and, and he nearly beat mark williams <laughs> who was number three at the time and it was just such it was so surreal it was a special time you know a friend of mine who who is um, an assistant referee who was voted the world's best assistant referee. He, he, he was an AR in, in the World Cup. He used to work with me and he took the call from Terry when Terry phoned me in the bank, you know, and, and it, was, um, it was it was just surreal. Um, but my first question of Terry was, how do you can you guarantee you, you can sight a straight line of aim perfectly? And his answer was no. And. Uh, you know, you've got to remember all these coaches around at the time. You know, there, there was some what I call cottage industries, um, different coaching practices that people had, had developed. Um, and and he couldn't. He his answer was no. You better come and see me. So straight away I went down to Clinethley, and it kind of started from there, really. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I, you also mentioned being mentioned in Ronnie's book, Unbreakable. Um, what kind of a feeling is that? I mean, Ronnie's obviously everyone. Well, some people might not enjoy Ronnie, but I love him. Most people I know obviously love him. He's such a big name. To have that mention in the book, I mean, that must have felt incredible. I, I think, you know, I, I know that Ronnie has the highest regard for Steve Peters and Ray Reardon. And, um, and, yeah, to be to be mentioned in that same sentence, I didn't expect it. Um, you know, I feel I have a really great relationship with him. Um, you know, we set we set out what we wanted to do between us, um, and he's achieved two world titles uh, on the back of that. And you know, to to have 
a technology and methods out there which have helped someone of his stature in the game. And, and let's not forget, you know, when, when you look at Stephen and when you look at Mark, you know, how they all view Ronnie. It, it was it was a pretty special um, thing to read. And, and I didn't know. He, he, he didn't tell me. It was it was one of my um, other other students, if you like, that suddenly said, oh, did you know you're in Ronnie's book? And, and you know, we get on with our, our day job, so to speak. And, you know, our focus, my focus is always on the player. It has to be the player first. Yeah. So so when it was sent to me, I'd sort of. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit emotional. I didn't expect it. Yeah. You know, and, and very, very grateful for it to be recognised in the same breath as those. And, and there's Brian Adamson in there, not Brian Adamson, um, Frank Adamson. And I never got to see Frank. I never really knew him, but he was a tremendous coach years ago. Um, you know, so I mustn't forget him because, you know, Ronnie thought very highly of him. So it was special. And I thanked him. You know, I, I didn't even get a chance. I think we were at the English Open and I said, Ronnie, I didn't I didn't know that this had been done. <laughs> so I really appreciated it. It, it. It's yeah, it's it goes down in the legend in the in the annals of history, doesn't it? So that's it. That's it. It's excellent stuff. Um, you've recently been out to the to the States and I, I believe you've done a, um, a coaching camp in, in Canada with it. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, that trip good. Um, oh, we had uh, Jim Jim White. Um, for those that remember him, the Canadian, uh, he has a fantastic snooker club out there called the Corner Bank, and it's pool. So there are more pool tables than snooker tables. So I guess it's a pool club. But um, also a guy called Carter, who runs um, Master Q over in in Toronto. So I did uh, two snooker coaching camps and a pool coaching camp um for players and that was really thanks to the work of a guy called david puddy and john wallace they have the canadian q sports academy so i've trained those two up as uh site right coaches for for for, for, for that particular region um ontario and, and toronto and um and it was just a brilliant time and uh i think it it rocked people's heads. OK, um, if you ever watch The Matrix, it bakes their noodles. And uh, and I think when you show people that believe that they're online and they've been coached as well, you know, and when you show coaches that that don't know their own eye dominance properly or, or using tests, which are now out of date um, history, from my point of view, um, to assess players. And when you've got coaches who are coaching players and don't know how they see straight themselves, yet they're coaching other players in an accuracy sport. These are the conversations that I'm having with the WPBSA, uh, Jason Ferguson, Chris Lovell. And for Jim White to then observe um, and really see the, the new modern stuff, you know, I think his words to me were, I wish I'd have known you back in my day. Um, but they really welcomed me with open arms. The players were fantastic. I was doubling players up. They were all helping each other. Um, and it really was a brilliant time. We should be going out there again in, in 2024. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, that is that is really good stuff. I mean, how many countries have you been out coaching to in total? We've done Finland. I've trained up five, five coaches in Finland. Um, 
at the Kira Snooker Centre, I've got some good coaches over there. I've got um, six coaches over in uh, India. I'm doing work with the Billings Snooker Federation of India. Um, they had to defer some stuff because of tournament schedules. But uh, I've got coaches in America. I've got coaches um, in several countries, Europe. So I've got about 40, 47, 48 coaches now um, in different places around the world. Um, but also um, sight right golf and putting coaches as well. So I've, I've been around. I haven't got any trained coaches in China yet. I've got trained coaches in Malaysia, Singapore. Um, yeah, so I've been to quite a few places. So thanks, very... thanks to thanks to Q Sports, thanks to Snooker. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. The uh, the possibilities are endless, obviously. Um, well, but, well, we do. We're doing, you know, hopefully things are going to expand for us in America. Um, I regularly, you know, try to get together with Alison Fisher, but our diaries just seem to clash every time. Um, work recently with um, Jason uh, and his recent win in Hanoi in, in the nine ball pool world um, has, has been pretty special. Um, but you asked me where it began and I used to play. I used to play eight ball pool, so I know David Gilbert over in Tamworth, mm-hmm. over at Potter's, rather should I say, in Swaddling Coat. I yeah. know that you know he's he's got a big scene going there with the eight ball pool. Perhaps, mm-hmm. perhaps I should have got my pool cue out because I did used to like um, playing that game many years ago. I used to play number one for Norfolk, um, but it, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the game that it is today. It's been uh, a lot of support behind that sport today. Yeah, it's bl- it's blown up. It's it's. Um, I mean, if you asked me a few years ago if I thought it would, I, I'd probably just said no because I was just kind of a, a standard pool player and the area have their own leagues and that's you know then you can play county, you play for England. But suddenly, yeah. it's, you, there's competitions everywhere. It's it's blown up massively, which is which is it's great. I mean, it's amazing and uh, I I hope it continues. You'll have to uh, you'll have to come over for a game at Potter's. Well- well, Mick Perkins, Mike Perkins, he he used to, if you like, manage our county team. And then he, he obviously became part of the English Pool Association and then through Ultimate Pool and stuff like that. You know, it, it's good to see what David Gilbert has done um, in his Potters Club and, and the way that the way that he's even got himself involved in Ultimate Pool. I think it's really good because, look, David was a special guy to work with. Um, at one stage, I was beginning to, to doubt if I'd... Um, if I wasn't going to deliver what I thought I I always could, and that was for him to win his first ranking title. Um, you know, I, I tend to, if I make a promise to a player in that sense, um, yeah, it has to be delivered. And uh, and he's such a special player. He really is a special player. And, uh, you know, different things come along in our worlds to, to change our focus. But what he's done at Swaddling Coat, what he's done at Potter's is pretty special for everybody in that in that area. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. It, you know, it's I mean the club itself before it was Potter's, it was just a strictly a snooker club. Um, I know. Yeah, he showed to, me. I, I saw it. I I saw it before he he'd done all his works and and literally, you know, within every time I went there, within one week, the next week, or the next month, you know, it was just wow, he's done this, he's done this, he's done this, yeah. and uh, yeah, I mean they they put so much work into it. The guys there, I know it's not just David, it's a couple of others as well, but. They really have put a ton of work into it, and that's the passion that they have for for looking after their members. 
and mm-hmm. uh, it's good. It's been brilliant to see that. Yeah, and the the pull that the pull that it kind of Potter's has with Dave, you know, being there and and being around the place, and everyone knows they can ask him for advice, whether it's Paul or Snooker. It's um, it's really good to see, especially in yeah. our area. Yeah. Um, so how did you did you say you've worked with David before? Yeah, David um, had a couple of years with David Gilbert, and uh, we got him into the top sixteen, and um, the focus was for him to win his ranking title. He was probably one of the um, the players that, that Will Snoop would often say, you know, the, the great players that have never won a ranking event yet. So when David and I got together, I think he was a bit similar to Mark. He was ready to give up. Um, and uh, we turned that around. We did a lot of hard work together. And he's he's a really, really talented lad, really talented. Um, and it wasn't so much that I don't think it was lack of belief. I think it was more that all that talent was, wasn't perhaps um, being targeted in the right way in terms of the skill. And, and you know, um, so everything that we did around site right coaching, site right methods, high performance. I think a lot of people don't realise there's a, there's a huge amount of high performance coaching that, that I'm pretty skilled in in terms of uh, what I do with players as well, you know, um, the, the focus in terms of delivery is 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 as intense around that area as it is in the coaching. Um, but he was such a great person to work with. Q power was 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 improved, accuracy was improved, match play, and he's a scoring machine. Yeah, he really is. But you know, once we were getting him into the game, I felt I felt we were a bit unlucky when we when we hit the semi-finals at the Crucible. He was really ill that year. Um, and in the early rounds, he had to play Mark as well, Mark Williams. And to lose to to John Higgins, he had a kick. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, I, I felt he he should have been in the final. I felt he deserved and had played snooker, good enough snooker in that world championship to be in the final. But mm-hmm. there we go. You know, you have to deliver. Um, but he was really, really proud of that. And uh, I think we all were. Yeah, yeah. it should be. Yeah, of course. Yeah. How's the how's working with Mark been today? Fantastic day. You know, people uh, when I when I first introduced Sightright, you know, people didn't really understand what it was all about, and uh, they were they were they had all their old views, and it was really quite strange some of the some of the comments and social media and everything in terms of of the sort of coaching that I deliver, but. The more things are, uh, are coming out now, the more people are realising how so logical it is. And uh, and someone like Mark, he's lost a lot of weight. Um, and if I don't know, you may remember when Phil Taylor lost a lot of weight, his darts performance went off. Yeah. And uh, so someone like Mark, you know, um, he he's lost a lot of weight. So realignment, you know, making sure that he's... He's sighting and aiming perfectly, realigning his technique and working routines to to start rebuilding the game um, because he's probably one of the best players out there still yet to win the world championship. So his focus is there um, and he's great fun. I've worked with him a couple of times before um, for short periods of time and uh, there's a mission. There's always got to be a mission. That's it. Yeah, that's it. There always has to be a mission because these guys want to win. These guys are, 
you know, that they don't play the game to do anything but win tournaments. So, you know, we're in tune over that. That That's really important. So we'll wait and see how it turns out. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, I mean, we were originally going to talk in the, whilst you were at the airport tonight. So yeah, yeah. We've done well to... Uh, <laughs> We've had a fight over Skype. Um, yeah. and, and it's a good job that we did do this now because... I think if we'd have had these problems and, and I'd have been at an airport, I think we'd have been lost. So, it's, yeah, yeah. The, uh, one hell of a one hell of a fight, as you say. Um, yeah. Right, Stephen, we're going to do a bit of a quick fire round. I've got about three or four questions. Oh, dear. Um, listen, you've worked with the biggest of names in snooker. So I'm just going to ask you three or four questions. You know, just you're going to put answer. me on the spot. You're going to put oh, me yes. on the spot here. Oh, yeah. Before, I do it. Before I do you this. ask those questions, could I... Could I take yeah, an opportunity? There's there's some people there's some people who have who are the reason that I'm here, the reason that I'm doing these things, you know, and 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 I would just like to remember them at, at, at the current time. When I look at Terry Griffiths, when I when I you know consider for me, you know, he was a special guy, and obviously still is. He's not well at the moment, and um, and I remember him a lot, and. Uh, you know, I used to walk into the Crucible and think Terry Griffiths is working with these people. We've got a match on. And uh, I always used to think like that about Terry. That's the amount of respect I have for him. Um, and and then there's one or two other people, you know, people like Barry Pinchers years ago. Um, he gave me an opportunity to work with him. And, and when players do that, they're putting their trust in you. And I thank each and every one of those players that I've worked with over the years for for putting their trust in me. Um, and then, and then I have um, some other very, very good people around me, and it wouldn't, it would be remiss if I didn't say, you know, my wife, she sees everything. She's probably, she knows more than a lot of other coaches in the world. That's good. That's what so I'm going to say about my wife. She sees everything. She takes the calls. She sees the coaching. She, she deals with the with the um, player coaching development programs. She. You know, she she observes the coach courses and uh, yeah, it'd be interesting if she was put up against some of these people. <laughs> and but but the key is, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in conversation with with the WPBSA and all my coaches. I'm really, really proud of. Um, and they're the people that are spreading the word. And then there's my ambassadors for the network. You've got Mark, you've got Stephen Hendry, you've got Sean Murphy, you've got Alex Lely. Um, Moscone Cup captain as one of my specialist coaches, Lee Walker, you know, um, Steve Burke. Th- these people as part of the team, they, they've they they've contributed. They've been a real big support. And I just want to say thank you to them. Now fire away. Don't put me on the spot. No. Hey, listen, every week I have to do this to my guests because I've got to spice it up a little bit, haven't I? You know, I'm worried about this. It's <laughs> not often I'm worried about anything like this. <laughs> don't, be, don't be worried. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's only, it's only a few questions. Um, Go on. So we'll start with who's the best long potter you've worked with? Stuart Bingham. Okay. Uh, who's the best? Mark, Mark will take umbrage with that. Okay. <laughs> Mark, Mark was the best raw power. Some of the stuff he had in raw power. Single ball potter, Mark, Mark, you know, and he he was potting balls with his eyes shut out at the crucible. But but there was something about Stuart 
his long game was brutal. I mean, you know, I used to call him the Punisher. Yeah. And and I'll still never forget. And the reason I'll back that up is because um, in the Premier League, when he won the Premier League, he put uh, both uh, Neil Robertson and Mark Selby to the sword. And his long game was phenomenal. I don't think I'll ever see 12 frames like that again. Those guys will remember that. But yeah, Stuart yeah. Bingham has to take the edge. It's a fair answer. It's a fair answer. OK. okay. Best safety game player. Cool. Mark is a Mark is a he he's deceiving. He's very very clever. Initiative, um, controlling opponents. Um, cool. I'm going to go with Mark. Yep, that's fair. He might not like that because he might not see himself as a safety player, but he is. He's just so deceiving. He puts people in problems. You know. Yeah, Mark. Okay. Well, if he has any issues with it, he'll have to come on the show and. <laughs> What's the next one? <laughs> OK, next one's not too bad. If you had to choose a player to take, um, say it was a black ball game and there was a black on the rail and you needed one player to take it to pot it, who would you choose? It's on the rail. On the rail. Ronnie. Yeah. Yeah, Ronnie. Ronnie, okay. Ronnie, Ronnie is the he, he creates things. What pe- people when only when you work right. I thought the I thought there was going to be another question. You know, if it if it had been back in the day, and it had been one shot, it would have been Stephen. Yeah. All right, but you've asked me a different question here. So because it's on the rail and it's today, um, Ronnie. Okay. Because he would he would play the shot. Um, he would play the shot with full commitment, but he has a way of, of striking the cue ball that that is is generous with the cue ball. Um, and yeah, I'm going to go with Ronnie. Okay, um, just two more, two quick ones for you. So the next one I might have got away with this lightly. Yeah, yeah, you, I told you it wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's the biggest character you've worked with? What character in terms of at the table in the game, and, and we're talking snooker. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, you've you've worked with big names in in golf and darts as well, so you could choose from them, I guess, for this one. Um, I mean, just just character, just in in general, not just in the game. In, in Peter gen- Wright. Peter Wright. Yeah. Okay. I can see it as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I asked him. I asked him. Um, I asked him to put uh, to do something um, to be ready for for his world championship title. Um, it was uh, probably about eighteen months before he won it, um, but I always knew he was going to win a world title. And that guy is a character because he turns from one to another, yeah. you know. And Joe and Joe behind him, Joe Wright is just a phenomenal individual uh, behind that man. Um, you know, he turns into Snakebite. And he is a character. Yeah. OK, that's a that's a great answer. OK. And the last one. Um, now, this it's going to be tough. OK, but who's the best all rounder overall snooker player you've worked with? All rounder. 
all-rounder? I thought you were going to ask me who was the best out of Stephen Hendry and, Mar and Ronnie Sullivan. That's the question I normally get asked. I mean, we can do that one. We can do that one next. <laughs> all-rounder. Well, look, Steve, Stephen wouldn't wouldn't touch safety, all right. And I've seen and I've seen Ronnie rescue matches because of his of of his class safety play. You know, he he's he he's three dimensional. You know, when 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 people sort of talk to me about what is the difference or ask me what is the difference, Ronnie is a huge three dimensional player on that snooker table. So I'm going to give him the all rounder. Okay, so Stephen or Ronnie. I think we'd have to set up a match with both of them in their prime. Yeah. All right. With a world title that sits on the back of it. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I know what I'd be telling Ronnie and I know what I'd be telling Stephen. Yeah. Stephen was a beast in terms of winning and people forget that mm -hmm. um, and retired too early. He knows that. But look, that's history, right? But yeah. all those titles he won so darn quickly. Um, over the same period of time, oh, over a similar period, you have to go Stephen. Over longevity, you have to go Ronnie. And um, and I think and I and I think Stephen would agree with that. But if we'd have gone back to when Stephen was was at his peak, Ronnie was, you know, still arguably at an age that that should have been able to beat Stephen, right? Mm -hmm. um, and Stephen was just such an, a different, aggressive player. And I think that gets forgotten. You know, aggressive was his middle name. You know, it was no, no retreat, no surrender. Um, whereas Ronnie would be able to, and the reason I gave Ronnie the time, you know, on the previous question is because, I've, you know, I've been with Ronnie when we had, to, when we had Neil Robertson in the Tour Championship. You know, and, and we had to do things to 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 calm Neil down in terms of his, his attacking play. You know, suddenly he he was playing off the bulk cushion more than he realised. Um, you know, so Ronnie Ronnie has a he has a he has a more complete game than people realise. I mean, we uh, when I got together with him, his long game wasn't anywhere near what he believed it should be. He scored himself very low out of 10. And then we had people like Phil Yates and, and the commentators saying this is the best we've ever seen Ronnie's long game. So we powered up his, wrong, his long game, but his safety game is, is way better than people think. And then, and then of course, you know, I've, I, when, I, when I was coaching and working with Stuart, you know, there was a time where he would come off the table and say, Ronnie didn't have a, a pot over three foot. You know, Ronnie, Ronnie forces errors, unforced errors. He forces unforced errors, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, so he has to be, he has, he has to be the answer to that last question. Yeah, it's a fair answer. It's a fair answer, of course. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, with sight, right, say, if, you know, there are people that were maybe interested. Um, how, how would you draw people in to, to choosing sight, right? I'd still ask them the same old question. Um, you know, what, what people don't realise is if they have errors technically, visually and technically, and when I'm talking about visually, I don't, I, I'm talking about, you know, I, I, I work with players to pop balls over little white dots. Mm -hmm. um, 
so first question is can you guarantee you can cite a straight line of aim accurately if you can't you're in trouble straight away the second question is how much do you want to improve the third question is if you want to improve then are you prepared to change now on that basis i would then turn around and say with 2023 um two seven times world snooker champions uh i, I work with that you know the, these guys are a big enough endorsement just by that alone um and you know that suggests that no matter what some people's views are because we see some interesting views on social media um i saw one this morning you know that citing citing alignment doesn't matter it's only it's only relevant over long game i mean i was just amazed but this this is yeah yeah and i know the guy's name you know and he i think he's a constant he's a constant uh uh poster in that respect they, they just they just don't realize um, you know, that, that this game can be played very, very logically uh, in very logical ways, but in very natural ways. So if we remove the branding site right, and we then talked about perfect sighting alignment, a perfect technical setup, biomechanically stance and cue action that is set up to push through the cue ball to create more energy and control the energy in the cue ball than they've ever been able to do to be able to do things with the cue ball that they were never able to do because their technical setup is is uh, is in the modern is in the modern setup um and then to start making centuries um that they never thought they can make because that's what we do mm-hmm. um that's the challenge i put to my coaches that's the challenge to our people on our online network um and for those that don't really get it to read to read the testimonials to stop some of them will say, oh, I must be paying Stephen Hendry or Ronnie O'Sullivan. <laughs> that then, you know, it's, it's just crazy thinking that goes on out there. But I, I live in a world of a paradigm shift. I live in a world of disruptive technology that has challenged the status quo. Um, my question to them is, if you're right handed, how do you line up? They'll go through their right foot, right leg. I'll go. So your eyes are in your right foot and right leg, are they? If I gave you a rifle with or without sights, which one would you want? If your life depended on it, people would choose with, wouldn't they? Look at the technology on a bow and arrow in in the Olympic archery. Look at the technology, you know. And and it's really strange that 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 people should almost sort of you know continue to stay in what I call the dark ages in terms of coaching. Even some saying that coaching is a scam. It just amazes me. Because we've got so many players out there now, we our, our global Q Sports network reaches 170 countries. Um, we've got people making centuries where they know that they can then choose which one of my ambassadors for a, for a, um, a special video message. You know, I arranged that because I spent years trying to make a century break, and then I learned to make century breaks with virtually every single player's technique that I studied to understand why why they were using that technique from Joe Swale to Steve Davis. So I, th- I don't think these these guys and these people understand the level of knowledge that kind of sits in, in my head. Um, but I've learned to ignore silly comments. Yeah. Um, I've learned to uh, to focus on um, continuing to provide good information, proven information time after time. And I would say to um, to people who want to improve their game that sighting alignment 
perfect sighting and aiming is the most fundamental principle of coaching in an accuracy sport. So if you don't know how you see a straight line of aim perfectly, if your coach doesn't know how you see a straight line of aim perfectly, then just on that principle alone, you're guessing. So if you learn, if you if you open up your eyes and, you know, learn the, the methods that are helping so many people now, then you may just find it will improve your game. Yeah, brilliant. That's a great answer. Great answer again. Right. And and I, and I probably shared a shared a bit of a heart there, you know, that that says, yeah, I I, I learned um, something very important around a paradigm shift. It can take twenty to twenty five years for people with new technology or new methodology to be, I'll use the word accepted or come to the fore. And Sightright is now accepted in golf, accepted in darts, accepted in in um, snooker um i write i'm writing a, a coach program for darts that will be launched in in february with winmore um you know so for those that kind of think it's a scam or a gimmick they're just not following the sports they're just not really following the the players who who have made their comments about it yeah that's some people but those that are they're improving um and uh and I remember the struggles I had as a player and the information that I wanted that should have been available to me at the time, but wasn't because it wasn't known. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so have you got any, uh, have you got any camps upcoming in, in the in the coming months? I've got, I've got two pool camps that we're running. Um, one in Solihull, Riley Solihull uh, next month. I've got um, one at the Raging Bull in High Wycombe. Um, I think we're looking at one down in Devon, um, but we've got a busy tour now. I've got, you know, the UK is just around the corner. That's, the, you know, a huge big tournament. Um, should be going back to Canada early in the new year, um, as well as Bangalore. So it, it's a busy time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah. busy time. But I've got, yeah. I mean, so, for example, you know, even after Jason Shaw, I've got one lad that's over for four days again from Estonia. You know, so the the, the news is spreading, you know, so many juniors. It, it really, I've, I can't keep a track of it, you know, with the coaches that I have. There's so many juniors out there that are, that are you know, are all getting the benefit of sightright coaching and being taught that way. You know, and they're all coming to the fore, even in India, you know, um, and, and and it's quite special, but I can't keep up with it all, really. Yeah, okay, yeah I can imagine it seems very very busy. Um, but you yeah. know, busy is good. It's it's something you've put you said you know you've put this together and it's it's clearly successful. So you know, busy is always good, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's an enjoyable time. I'm I'm I really do enjoy it. And do you know something? Even even if I pick up Canada, just just imagine this. A husband who'd had a stroke with his wife came to the camp and I was helping them teach each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 60, 67 years old. And then I had another gentleman about 69 years old. He's played a blue off the spot and followed it straight in. Um, and, you know, these these people, I don't I don't put any age limit. You know, as long as they can get down over the queue, they can they can learn as long as the eyes are good enough as well. Of course, you know, there's there's no limit either from junior to to the elderly people. 
you know, and snooker brings and pool brings so much happiness and joy to people. They get out, they socialize um, and they have good fun and they have better fun if they if they're if they're better at the game. And that when I see them smiling is 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 really rewarding. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, that's that's going to be the best part. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. Listen, it's been an incredible interview. Time does fly, you know, as as we said it would. Um, yeah. But I I really really appreciate you coming on the show. I know you're busy with Mark at the minute. You know, you're yeah. you're over in Ireland, but we managed to get you on eventually. Through, through I just stuff. hope I haven't forgotten. If there's people, you know, sometimes that you know, there's people, there's people who have, have been really important to me. Um, you know, between Windbourne, Red Dragon, between you know that and and. And sometimes it's easy to forget. Um, so I'm 62 years old now. I'm, I'm a different person, perhaps, than five, ten years ago, even. Um, and uh, there's 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 a there's people that that have always supported me. So yeah. that's been very good. Martin Gould, especially. There we are. Martin. I mean, if, <laughs> yeah. If you do have any more any more shout outs, feel free, mate. Before you know, before I close the show, feel free to shout anyone out you want to. I just I just think, you know, these people, they know who they are. They 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 know who they are. And, and uh, you know, e- even the likes of uh, Jason Ferguson, you know, he, he believes site right technology should be in every queue. You know, we, we're we're in good talks with the WPBSA. We're, you, you know, it, it. Things are in a good place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's brilliant. Well, thank you again, Stephen. Everyone. That was Stephen Feeney, uh, been excellent tonight on the show. If you just think about Stephen, I'm just going to close the show out and then we'll have a little chat at the end. Yeah, okay? cool. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope you all enjoyed that, guys. Thank you very much for listening in. Just my usual couple of shout outs for the end of the show to our to our show sponsors. So first of all, to Potters, um, obviously Dave Gilbert, who we've mentioned tonight and, and the guys there running that place. Please check out Potters Cues. They've still got cues available uh, that come with the cases and the, the Tawam Chalk. Um, they've got competitions upcoming still. Please speak to Vinnie Loden if you are interested. Um, they've also, I believe, they may still have spaces left for the New Year's Eve um, shindig that they're putting together. And then also to our other sponsor, Tawan, um, please go and check out their website to check out the work they're doing. Um, you know, the chalk speaks for themselves. But for now, I hope you have a good weekend. I hope the weather clears up because the rain is putting everyone on a downer. But for me, it's thank you from Stephen. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hope I haven't bored you. No, of course not. Thank you, everyone. Have a great weekend. Take care. This show is part of Microbrew Radio, Burton on Trent's community radio station. You can hear this and plenty of other shows over on microbrewradio.com. Find our app on the iOS or Android stores, or just say, Alexa, play Microbrew Radio. And if you like what you hear, please let us know on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks.